You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. One guy that I love to bash, and I'm really glad that the Bruins ended his season today, or playoff hopes, was Jordan Bennington. Um were you surprised that Bennington and Marchand or Bennington and Hathaway or somebody didn't have a bit of a dust-up at some point today? He's on a short leash after the suspension, I feel, especially in a game that decides your season. Want to put it past him? I, I thought, yeah. Cannon. I thought at 3 nothing there was, there was a chance. And I think, like, it might have been 2 nothing or right after 3 nothing. Like, Lauko actually like, kind of grazed him skating past. And I was like, oh, this could be it. But no, he kind of kind of kept Maybe his cool. Maybe could have tempted him a little bit more. A few more, yeah. like, raising, like, close. They could have got him. They, they could have. But obviously, um, if you're doing what's best for the team, you're not getting involved in that kind of thing in a, a game that could decide your season. I mean, in all likelihood, they weren't going to make the playoffs where their position was anyway. They were on the outside. But, you know, in a game that officially ends your hopes – you can't be doing stuff like that. So obviously we talked about off the top, the Bruins are missing significant players. You are missing Bergeron, Krejci up front. You're one and two center. Uh, you've been without Taylor Hall. You've been without Nick Foligno. And they also were without Derek Forber and Charlie McAvoy today. With that said, um, thought they came out. They played pretty well. They got the one nothing lead on a goal by Jake DeBrusque. I want to say it was his 25th goal of the year, which I believe yeah. is his second career 25 goal season. So there might be a bonus there for him coming. Good for you, Jake, or maybe not. But uh, he kind of snagged it from Frederick, who obviously was a hometown boy. Today he got the start alongside Marshand. Um, and, you know, so just – In the post game, he said he would give it to Frederick if if that's what he wanted. He's like, just give it to him. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, Frederick – Frederick shot it. Well, Debrusque, you know, he 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 did a lot of the heavy lifting on the on the on the left wing there, uh, and then took the puck to the net, found his rebound. But then Frederick actually shot the rebound. It just went out Debrusque's uh, shaft of his stick. But and then it was followed up by a beautiful, beautiful no look pass. Uh, yes, I said pass by David Pashnak. He he does uh, dish out assists like Scott mentioned um, to Bertuzzi on the power play for the two nothing lead, and then Oscar Steen, not Oscar Steen. What the hell's his name? That's the guy. That, yeah. Oscar. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, he hasn't been playing much this year. He, uh, he got his <laughs> third career goal. And um, for some for some reason, because they were playing the Blues, I thought I said Oscar Sunquist, who used to play for the Blues, but now he's in, like, Minnesota. And I just had a brain cramp there. But, yeah, Oscar Also, Alex Steen, a former St. Louis Blue. Yeah, yeah, a lot of Swedes <laughs> that, that, you know, potentially could have I could have said. So that got the Bruins their 3 nothing lead. And obviously St. Louis tied it up 3-3. Um, to Bruins thought they won in overtime. Offside, Scott mentioned that. Shootout, Bruins win on a coil goal. 
and then Allmark with a sick glove save on Braden, um, Braden Shen to finish the game. So, mm-hmm. you know, guys, I only I only do that quick recap just to throw it back to you guys. Is there anything in particular from this game that stood out to you? Well, I, so I think the last couple games, Pavel Zaka playing center stands out. I think he's looked really good as as a center, um, which he did earlier in the year as well. So, again, just kind of adds to the idea that, you know, going forward for this season, you hope he doesn't have to play center, right? You hope Bergeron, Krejci, Coyle, Nosek all stay healthy through the playoffs, and boom, there you go. Um, But he has shown that he's capable of playing there when called upon. I think he does... He does what centers have to do. Like he's back defensively. He's making responsible plays. He can play through the middle of the ice. Jim Montgomery has talked about this a couple of times, how impressed he's been with Zaka's playmaking up the middle. Um, And then we also get to see Trent Frederick play center in this game. And I thought for the most part did pretty well that that line he was with, um, he was with Steen and Lauko you know, they were the least used line. So it's not like it was a huge sample size, but made some things happen. He had, you know, he, speaking of like making plays up the middle, he led the transition that led to Steen's goal, made the pass over to Greer on the entry. And then Greer has the shot that leads to the rebound. Um, So, you know, I, also, I thought this was like an important game for Trent Frederick. He gets the two assists, plays pretty well overall. Um, had gone seven games without a point before this. And for a guy who, you know, is kind of in that bubble conversation of who eventually comes out when everyone's healthy, like some good games down the stretch will go a long ways towards making his case to stay in the lineup. And if he can add, you know, that versatility of playing center in a pinch, like that helps as well. So that was a pretty good pretty good game for Frederick. Obviously, you know, we're not yet at the point where Paul and Felino are back and he's in danger of coming out of the lineup, but you want him playing well for that reason, but also just in general, because until those guys are back, you're going to need Trent Frederick to be a contributor. And, you know, oddly, like he gets going playing center on a kind of a makeshift line um, when he had been slumping a little bit playing wing on the third line with Coyle. Which I think speaks to his confidence level now, like his maturity that he's showed throughout his career and, and where he's been able to bring himself. Because um, I can remember back a few times last season where it seemed like his confidence was lacking and in post-game press conferences, there were questions to him about certain things in that nature. But I feel that he's matured. Even in the way he answers questions after the game, I feel like he's – um, kind of a different guy this year. And he, like you said, being able to do that in a role that, you know, center, he hasn't played all that much this year and, and go in between Steen and Lauko and them still uh, be able to score. Uh, and Montgomery was kind of trolling him a little bit in the mic'd up portion of uh, the game where they thought Frederick had scored the power play goal. So he said, look at that Freddie one for one on the power play. Cause he never plays on the power play. <laughs> and they thought that he had that goal. So he was just trolling them. Um, and then also Montgomery made a dad joke and said, ready, Freddie. And then he goes, I'm a poet. 
I was a pawn and I didn't even know it. And Hathaway gives him the dirtiest look, like the way I would give my parents a look if they said something embarrassing in public. <laughs> it was he was having fun. He was having fun uh, on the bench there. But uh, yeah, anyway, um, I feel like oh, so the one thing I would want to talk about just quickly, we don't really need to go into it. Uh, Brennan Carlo, um, he spent a lot of time on the penalty kill today and really showed how important he is to the back end. I think Felino called him and Forbert when they're together on the penalty kill, the twin towers, obviously not necessarily the best reference, but um, that's what he called them back there on the penalty kill. I, I just think that Carlo made a few mistakes, uh, you know, five on five, but on the penalty kill, he's so valuable. Yeah. One of the, um, one of the more notable points in the game for me even though the game ended up getting tied um, late with the extra attacker on for St. Louis, but that five on three, the Bruins killed off a very extended five on three in the third period. And, um, you know, a lot of the time I was kind of saying, questioning why St. Louis wasn't really attacking the net more and, and putting more pucks towards the net. They're more on the perimeter. But if you, if you watch it, the Bruins just, they're very, very effective at, at, pressing the puck carrier without over committing to them. They're very, they, they, they utilize their sticks very well in their, in their gap control. So like they'll go out, they'll challenge the puck carrier, but they won't overcommit to them and then open up something else. And I just thought they were very um, positionally sound. And um, it was, it was good to see that in that moment for them to kill off that five on three, because if, if St. Louis scores there, Maybe they just ride momentum to a regulation win against the Bruins. So I thought that was a strong penalty kill for Boston. Yeah, that was huge. And, and he was out there the whole five on three, I think. He was, yeah. So Brandon Carla, the Bruins had spent 626 shorthanded total in this game. Brandon Carla was on the ice for 536 of that. Only 50 seconds of all their penalty kills today was he not on the ice. Like that was a monster performance from him on the penalty penalty kill, especially. And by the way, guys, Bruins penalty kill is now killed off 28 straight penalties. So we've talked about, you know, how will it look without Derek Forbert? Will they miss him? Will it struggle right now? Not struggling, going very strong. And Carlo is obviously a huge part of that. Yeah. And then when Forbert comes back, the workload is, you know, he can take a little bit of the burden off of Carlo's shoulders, or he could go put them both out there. Um, you know, so it, it, once again, we're talking about depth that they have that's waiting on the bench to come back when, you know, four birds healthy. Well, and that, that's something that comes to mind too, for me is like when I, every year going into the playoffs, I sit there and say to myself, just please don't let this guy get hurt because then they're screwed. And like, because of the depth that they have and the high end depth that they have, the only guy I think that about at this point, I mean, if we're talking winning a oh, cup, Mark. if we're talking, okay, but no, not even him because like Swayman's been like, he's been up there in every cat statistical category too. So it's like, even in goal, the Bruins had like yeah. their backup goalie is more, I'm more comfortable with him than I am against the fields goaltenders, except for maybe Vasilevsky, obviously, and a couple other, you know, big guys, but um like, obviously, if Bergeron were to go down or McAvoy or Marshan, like, yeah, like, I would be very, very disheartened about their chance to win a cup. 
But I feel like the Bruins could withstand an injury to just about everybody on this team, except for Pasternak, if they want to get at least to like the third round. Because if Bergeron did go down for a couple of for, for a couple of weeks, like we've seen, like they like as much as there's so much better with him, like it would be a big challenge. Or if Marshan went down for a couple of weeks, like they have guys that can go in there. You can't replace a sixty goal score if Pasternak ends up getting sixty. You can't replace that. Um, and you can't replace all that Bergeron brings and all that stuff. So I'm not saying that, but if uh, my point is this team can withstand the war of attrition because of the depth that they have both in the bottom of the lineup and the top of the lineup and the versatility amongst all their full, all their forwards and defensemen. Like you're talking like, again, don't forget, like they have like, they have two number one defensemen on their team and a third guy who's like a, a one B defenseman in this league. So like even up, even on the back end, they're just, it's pretty crazy. So, no, you, yeah. you're 100% right, because Bergeron and Krejci didn't play against Pittsburgh, and Zaka and Frederick did just as – like, they did a fine job. Uh, they're not those guys, but they can still handle it. It's not like you're like, okay, we're calling up someone from Providence that, that we've not really seen too much or anything anything like that. And And remember back to the beginning of the season where they won a majority of the games when both McAvoy and Marshawn and Grizzlick we're out of the lineup. Um, and that's a, a point of the season where guys are coming in a little bit rusty and you kind of never know what's going to happen. Um, and, and things are a little bit up for grabs in those early portions of the season as teams and players try to figure things out. So that's a time where they were missing McAvoy uh, and Marshawn and Grizzly at the same time. And they did fine. Didn't they win like nine of the 10 games? I don't know. They won a bunch of those games to start the season. And, um, and now you see them missing Taylor Hall, Nick Felino, and Derek Forward, as well as Bergeron and Krejci and McAvoy for rest and still winning. It's kind of insane that you don't really notice the drop-off when you're missing your best defenseman and your top two centers. Yeah, and I, and I would say, and Scott, I'll throw it to you to, to uh, finish your thought. I, I mean, I would, yes, Bridge, like I totally get what you're saying. And, and, and for those listening, like don't mistake what we're saying as in like, like we're not saying like they can last without like those guys. Like obviously for one game against St. Louis, yes, what Bridget said is true. Like we're not we're not saying over the course of a series, but just in general, this team has the versatility and depth to, you know, really step up for for anybody who goes down. Again, except for Pashnak, there's not like that would be a tough tough blow considering how much of the offense he's provided for you this year, despite their depth. But um, Scott, just any closing thoughts for you? Uh. So my one closing thought is actually so something we were talking about earlier. Um, Matt Porter, who's out in uh, St. Louis covering the game, tweeted out a couple quotes from Marshand after, and he basically said that he doesn't he doesn't want to rest and he doesn't expect to rest down the stretch. He he wants to play. He wants to sharpen his game. So just kind of tying into what we were talking about, like. Marchand obviously knows there's still stuff to play through and, and get right in his game before the playoffs. And it seems like, you know, at least according to him, he feels healthy enough to keep playing and to try to figure it out on the ice rather than rest. And, you know, I would also add like these after Sunday's game, they're now off till Thursday in terms of games. They're off completely on Monday, no practice. I think there's a chance they might also be off on Tuesday. They haven't announced their schedule yet. So um, this will help everyone obviously kind of get this little 
little break and then hit the last five games. And then they're going to have another little break before the playoffs start. Their last game is on a Thursday and then game one of the playoffs won't be until at least Monday. So they're going to get, you know, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday off then as well. So there will still be some rest built in, even for guys who aren't held out of games. Well, one last thing for me is uh, I really hope the NHL rids of the shootout next year or in short years to come, because despite the fact that the Bruins were on the winning end of things, I just, I'm really over the shootout. They introduced the shootout back in 2005, 2006, after that 0405 lockout. I think they brought it to, you know, add a new element for fans. And I mean, we're talking almost 20 years of that now. And it's just, I mean, if you watch anything that Evgeny Kuznetsov has done in Washington, literally taking 12 seconds to, to, to go on a shootout, like, I just hate I just hate a competitive game like today in general, like finishing in shootouts. Um, hopefully the NHL can fix that going forward. I know it's not a big popular topic is the shootout anymore. People don't really like it that much. I don't know if you guys are, are fed up with it too. Well, Brian, you don't have to worry about it in a, about a week and a half. <laughs> We're going to be going a 20-minute overtime. So That's true. I'll have to worry about pulling all-nighters when the Bruins inevitably yeah. play a six-overtime game or something like that. But Scott's going to need more coffee and popcorn. Yep. They can provide that for him there. <laughs> I don't um, know. They closed down some of the stuff. And then when I walk over, I'm like, no. And Scott's devastated. It's true. He's yeah. like, they gotta, cut him you gotta, off. You got to load up in regulation. The real reason why they stopped serving is because because uh, Scott gets out of hand and they're like, we got to cut this guy off. It's, mm-hmm. it's Yeah, it's like how like they, they stop beer sales like in the seventh inning at baseball games sometimes. Yeah. Like, yeah, they got to you got to cut off my popcorn like at second intermission. Yeah. Have you seen? Have they been giving Scott like popcorn sobriety tests up there, like walking the line or trying to say the alphabet back? He tries to not get caught, so like he's he's avoided it so far. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a subtle popcorn drunk. You can't really tell when he's when he's coming <laughs> off of it. Um, all right, the final the final grains of sand are uh, are dropping in our hourglass here. So um, if you guys have anything else to discuss, now's the time. No, if I think not, we're good. No. I think we ran all the bases here. All right, all right, all right. So, uh, the Bruins are back in action on um, Thursday. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Playing Toronto, and then if they beat Toronto Thursday, they have a chance to tie an NHL record Saturday night, um, which is 62 wins in a season uh, held by Tampa and the mid 90s Red Wings. So. Yeah, um, I will say that the two next games are going to be the hardest to win. The last three games are the easier games on the schedule if you don't consider resting. Cause the last three games are um, Philadelphia. Oh, what's the one in between? And then Montreal. Um, Washington's between those two. Yeah. So those are going to be the three easier of the five. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I, th- I think, I think the Bruins will, I think they will break the record. Um, and I think that obviously there's a bigger prize at hand, but when all is said and done, um, if the Bruins, if the Bruins win 63 games this year in the regular season, I mean, that's a record that could be, that could upstand for, you know, decades to come, which is really, which is really neat. Uh, when you, when you look back at things in retrospect, but in the moment, there's obviously a bigger prize uh, and, and an obstacle ahead for this team, but we'll be covering it every step of the way. So, um, on behalf of Bridget and Scott and myself, thank you all for listening. We will talk to you very soon.